You're seeing a patient for migraines, and it may not be the first time that he's been in. You may need to be screening for more than trauma or malingering, and what you don't know can hurt you and impact your practice. You're listening to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Larry Robbins. Dr. Robbins is Assistant Professor of Neurology at Rush Medical College and Director of the Robbins Headache Clinic in Northbrook, Illinois. He is the author of two books, Headache Health and also Management of Headache and Headache Medications. In 2008, he was named as the Pain Physician of the Year, and he's been consistently named as one of Chicago's top doctors and one of America's top doctors. Today, we're discussing the incidence of headaches and access to pathology that often accompanies headaches. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Robbins. Thank you for having me. So you have just completed a very interesting study where you assessed 1,000, and correct me if I'm wrong, consecutive migraine patients at a headache clinic, and you found some significant access to personality disorder pathology. Let's talk about that study. What led you to do it, and what was your hypothesis going into it? Well, personality disorders, I think, are under-recognized, and they can ruin a medical practice or a clinic if it's a severe personality disorder that's destructive and and not limited. And it's always occurred to me that we have less lectures, less information on people with personality disorders because there's no real drugs for them, so we don't have formal dinner programs, et cetera. But I think it's a very important category of patient that we need to recognize so that we can manage them effectively. There was a study a few years ago where they looked at a lot of men in Finland at the prevalence of personality disorders in a population and came up with 13% of the men were personality disorders, not all severe, borderlines, et cetera, but 6% were avoidant, for instance. And I began thinking maybe we're missing these personality disorders. I certainly was. I'm interested, of course, in recognizing the more severe ones because several of the personality disorders are not as crucial as far as needing to limit them, like avoidance or dependent personality disorders. So I wanted to do a formal study where we assessed over time a large number of people in a headache population. So how did you set this up, and how did you screen your population? Well, I think that there's two ways to do a personality disorder study. One is doing a structured clinical interview, which takes a lot of time and funding. And we didn't have funding for this study. The other way is to look over a long period of time. We do have, most of the patients were assessed with psychiatrists. We do have psychiatric forms that we have people fill out. But it's mostly we're using DSM criteria. Looking over time, I think when you first see somebody or you see somebody in the emergency room to diagnose access to pathology often is wrong. If you see somebody in crisis and they're paranoid, they may be fine for uh, most of the time and they're not really a personality disorder. So we looked long-term at patients. We didn't assess anybody except after six or eight months. And I think that you get a good feel. Also, I was looking in this study for moderate to severe personality disorders because we wanted to identify who we really needed to limit and tag as access to personality disorder. So tell us a little bit about what you found in that population. Well, in 1,000 consecutive migraine patients over time, we found that a little over 5% were a moderate to severe personality disorder and it ran the spectrum. Avoidant and borderline were the most common. The serious ones that I really worry about more are borderline personality disorders, the narcissistic personality disorders, sometimes the histrionic. And you may have a couple times in your practice run across a paranoid personality disorder. 
and they are very dangerous to not only to physicians but to the population as a whole. If you look at every spree killer that's been assessed psychiatrically, they tend to be a paranoid personality disorder. Now, did the prevalence in that population, this headache population, mirror the general prevalence of these personality disorders in the general population, or did you find anything different? I think it's around that. It wasn't that much more in the headache population. I think it just tends to be underdiagnosed in general. If you look at the bad people in the world, the leaders of the Saddam Husseins, of course, they tend to be personality disorders. But a lot of people in the news and on the shows, Dateline, et cetera, the scam artists, the people who kill their spouses or serial killers who get away with it, of course, are personality disorders, and there's milder variations of there. And I think it's just missed all over the place. So why is it important to diagnose a personality disorder when you've already stated there's not specific medications for some of the symptoms? What difference does it make to, say, the primary care provider who's listening to this that he picks up on this? Well, I think we need to limit them because what happens sometimes in a medical clinic, say the personality disorder is a borderline or severe narcissistic, is say Bill. Bill calls in and he's angry and he wants Vicodin, and he wants to talk to the doctor right away. And a lot of clinics kowtow to Bill, and they'll put right through to the doctor and say, Dr. Smith, Bill is calling, and he wants to talk to you right now. And they just want to get him off the phone, and they're nice and nice. And they go along for a year or two like this with some abuse of the staff by Bill, and then all of a sudden it explodes. Bill is angry with everybody, blaming the doctor for everything, suing Department of Regulation, letters. Occasionally there's violence. When you look at doctors who've been stabbed, there was one in downtown Chicago not too long ago who was stabbed by a paranoid personality disorder. It's almost always the personality disorders. And it's not as if we identify them and say, get out of our practice, although we do have to dismiss some of these patients. And I think that medical clinics and docs dismiss too few patients. You don't have to put up with the abuse But they're much more dangerous than 25 years ago because of department regulation and lawsuits. So mostly it's recognition so that we can limit them, set limits and boundary issues so that they can't barge in and just call the doctor at home. But also management. There are some medicines with certain types of personality disorders that can help the anxiety and depression, the the axis one parts also. And I think that limiting addicting medicines, personality disorders in general are more likely to overuse the addicting medicines. Dr. Robbins, how receptive are patients to hearing that they have a personality disorder? It's a touchy thing. Some longtime patients of mine who are borderline, especially if they're milder borderlines, I'll talk to them about borderline gingerly after we have a long-time relationship, and some have really done well with it. They'll either join a borderline group, they'll go online, And they realize, they say, some patients come in and say, I'm a borderline personality disorder. So they do have some insight, which goes against the diagnosis of borderline personality, but some really do have some insight into it. But in general, I think it's best done talking about access to pathology to people through a therapist, through a long-time connection with a therapist. And we take a dialectical approach with these people. In other words, they've been told all their life that their view is skewed and wrong because it really is. They have trouble seeing any grays. They see things in black and white. But if it's not crucial, I don't hit them over the head with it, that their view is wrong on something. We really want to establish a comfortable relationship where I'm not constantly telling them that they're wrong with everything. Has the Association of Personality Disorders and Headaches been studied before? There's been a few studies, not particularly an increased association of borderline with migraine, But as far as how to treat borderlines within a practice, 
If you look at phone calls, for instance, after hours in a headache practice or a pain practice, the phone calls, the vast majority of them are from personality disorders. And some clinics and headache clinics and pain clinics have gone to not taking call at night because almost all the calls were from people who were drug-seeking or personality disorders, and they went to just going on service at 5 o'clock. Aren't migraines more challenging to treat in this population? They are because the addicting medicines that sometimes we'll use as escape medicines, people will manipulate with and overuse. But in general, the the patients with personality disorder, the, the most challenging problem is the psychiatric end. I look at borderline personality, for instance, as they get into their late 20s and their 30s as it's the chronic pain. It's chronic pain. It's it's like the chronic pain in mental health because they are in pain all day. They're up and down. They're dysphoric. They are not very euphoric. It's It's more a dysphoria. And it's a horrible way to live, which is why they get suicidal and more and more suicidal as time goes on. Share with us one of your success stories. We know you've been very effective in treating headaches, even in some difficult-to-manage clinical settings. I think there is plasticity of the brain. I'm doing a long-term study right now on what happens to personality disorders over 20 years. There's been other studies like that. If you look at personality disorders diagnosed uh, borderline at age 15, for instance, and you follow them till they're 30, this has been done. A third of them outgrow the personality disorder. They're not exactly normal, but we wouldn't consider them to have personality disorder. Now, how do you diagnose borderline at age 15? And I think it's the level of chaos and drama. Borderlines create chaos in their lives and everybody around them and drama. The normal 15-year-old drama, the girl might say that my hair is crummy and I'm too fat and my boyfriend doesn't like me. But the level three borderline drama is much more serious with suicide attempts and cutting and emergency room visits. So there is plasticity of the brain. We've had some patients who have long-term therapy with the same therapist, and they have a very strong relationship. The medicines help. Maybe they're in a group. And I think we do have success with our long-term relationship with our headaches and anxiety and depression and the therapy. But still, they are, I think, in psychic pain day in and day out. Thank you again for being my guest. Thank you very much. Dr. Robbins was my guest today, and we've been discussing the prevalence of personality disorders in patients with migraines. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We'd like to hear from you with comments or suggestions. You can listen to our full library of podcasts by visiting us at ReachMD.com. Use the password radio and get six months of free streaming. And thank you, as always, for listening.